The Thunder beat the Celtics, and does that make them title contenders? Do the Bulls even want Zach Levine back? And do the Knicks have another move lined up? It's the Wednesday episode of Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. And on Wednesdays, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm joined not today by Tony East, but Tony Easy today. What's going on, man? Happy New Year. The classic typo, which is funny, like East is a word, but sometimes it still autocorrects to easy on people's phones. So this is a very common typo for those of you watching on YouTube. My last name's East. And I host Locked On Pacers, and we do have a lot to talk about today, Jake. So somehow it's it's look brand new year. We get to get all the trade talk in. We get big performances from guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander and others. I'm excited about it. So of course, thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. So let's get into what was going to be the highlight of the night and that is the Oklahoma City Thunder beating the Boston Celtics 127-123 you had OKC with an 18 point lead Boston comes back and makes this one close but now that Oklahoma City has beaten the best team in the league Tony let's just play real or fake we do this every week on Wednesdays of Locked On NBA but I want to do it right now real or fake the Oklahoma City Thunder are title contenders especially after this win yeah, I mean, I, I might have been real before this game, and now I'm definitely real. I mean, look, the most simple way I can describe it right now, Jake, they have the best net rating in the West. That like Doesn't that alone mean that there's an argument they are the best team in the West? I don't think they are. I think the Denver Nuggets are better, especially in the playoffs. But, like, they have been among the best teams in their own conference already. They've beaten Boston. They've played well against every team they've played. And the thing that is so fascinating is, like, everyone who plays for them is good, like, does well for them. Right? <laughs> they, they never have a down lineup or stretch, which is crazy because they're so young. But, like, Kenny Hustle comes in and just cleans up everything. Cason Wallace is like, oh, another rookie that's just amazing for the Thunder. Isaiah Joe's never missed a three in his life. Like, they just keep throwing out guys who are good all the time. And Shea's amazing. And it all just clicks. And that's not a knock on any of their non-Shea really good players. It's just... All their lineups are good. Mark Dagnall's an amazing coach, and they beat the doors off of bad teams. Like they're they're really good, and I think that that means yeah. I think they. I don't know if I think they're the favorite, but if you're calling them a contender, like if you told me right now they won the title, would I be surprised? No, I don't think I. I don't think I would be. Yeah, I'm going to go with you that it's real. I So I would be surprised if they won the title, right? They're still a little unproven, and I mean, there's no playoff like success to speak of. You'd like to maybe see them, you know win a playoff series then we kind of throw them into that mix but your, your your point about their net rating is really good I don't know what it's going to be after this game against the Celtics right but going into this one it was a positive eight and a half right 8.5 that's third best in the NBA as a whole and as long as you're above six you're kind of in title contention to me that's the magic number of net rating over the course of a year that you want to see so they have that number right there you know everyone has made a lot about the Boston Celtics as maybe being the best team in the league they have a top five offense a top five defense 
offense. The Thunder are like right behind going into this game. They had the sixth best offense and the sixth best defense, right? Like all of the numbers, all of the stats back it up. And they have a star player here in Shea Gilgis Alexander that you can just win a lot of games with. And when you have that guy, look, I would trust Shea going into the playoffs, like to win you a game, right? To hit big shots when you need him to do that. I think that goes a long way here. So being able to kind of do all of that and then the presumptive rookie of the year in Chet Holmgren, who's looked really good so far, like they have all the makings of a team that's going to be really good. Maybe they don't win the title this year, but certainly we're going to be looking at them, I would imagine, as one of the favorites going into next season at the very least. Yeah, I agree with that. Actually, the NBA has updated their ratings after this game. And now the Thunder Ooh. are top five in offense and defense <laughs> also. <laughs> Look, beat so, beat the one team that did it. And now there you go. You've got you've got the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now they're fifth in offense, fourth in defense. Like that. that's a great team. And you nailed it with Shea. And something that I think is interesting about Shea and this young Thunder team, right? I think if Shea is young, I think most people do. He's 25. But between his year with the Clippers, in his first year with the Thunder, when the Thunder were good, he's played in the playoffs like a decent True. number of games. Not a lot, but enough that you're like, I don't expect him to get to the postseason and be wobbly or like not know what is coming or like how it goes. There's a lot of guys on the team that, yes, you would you'd wonder that about. But he's not one of them, and he's the most important player on the team, right? So if they're the one, two, or three seed in the West, I'm like, yeah, he's going to be the best player most likely in whatever series they're in at that point. And you know, look, Jalen Brown was trash in this game. He was four for 18. He missed every three he took. But like, <laughs> You've been Jared waiting White to awesome. say that, haven't you? Jared White was awesome. Tatum was good enough. Porzingis was amazing. Like, the Celtics threw a good punch. And they were like, okay, whatever. You know, we, we'll survive this. We'll be up 18 in the fourth quarter. Like, yeah, they almost blew it. But they're, they're really good. And I think their star having that experience is going to matter. Yeah, look, again, if you have a go-to scoring guard like that, a dude that can go out and get you 40, can win a game for you, it feels like, if he needs to, like, they're in a good spot. All the role players are good. They really fit, right? Like, J-Dub's good for them, I think. Again, I've loved everything that we've seen from Chet Holmgren and what he does. He's fearless. He's averaging over 17 points per game, right? Like, you have Giddy, who has moments where he hits three-pointers. He shot well from three in this game, which was certainly going to elevate them. He was four of seven. Like, when you're getting the those kind of performances from these guys like yeah they're gonna be just tough to beat i i think here right like they they're on a five game winning streak they've been consistent this year which i think is a real big thing too you know they've kind of just answered any sort of questions around them right and yeah that's got to put you in title contention then for sure you worried about boston after this one or just being like yeah whatever that was a good team they lost to I mean, I just slandered him like crazy, but Jalen Brown's not going to be this bad, like all the time. Right. And, and Drew Holiday is a great defensive player. So like he is still a positive when he has off nights, but like he was two for eight. He missed every two pointer he took. So there are a lot of things that if you're the Celtics, you're like, yeah, we, we could have been better. We lost a turnover battle. Like we got a gazillion offensive rebounds. We feel good about that. Like they shot ridiculously well from three. You already talked about Josh Giddy shooting. Well, that's not something that happens all the time. Right. Outside of Lou Dort, basically everyone who took a three for the Thunder had a good shooting night. So you could clean up that if you're the Celtics. They're generally pretty good at three-point defense as a team. And, like, I trust that their defense is among the best in the league. So I think I think that they'll say, especially being on a road trip, like, yeah, we could have been better. We feel good about our team. We've beaten every other challenger that's come our way. Our top six is still probably the best in the league. And I still think they're the favorite right now. But they mm -hmm. have. You know, the, it, beating them shows that like hey 
can beat anybody if you can beat the Celtics this year and the Thunder can do it. Yeah, definitely. The other kind of scary thing is whether it's this season or next or, you know, whenever they have a lot of tradable assets too. Yeah. like all of these young players are going to be intriguing to other players. Right. You may you talked about Wallace just being like another rookie who's good for them because this is what they've been doing here. Right. So, so casually. Well, to, to that point, though, like I, I, I was super wrong about the Thunder. Right. Hand up. I predicted they would be like a 500 team this year. So that would be, I'm not going to make it again because I'm already dumb about them once. That would be the anti-Thunder contender argument is what you just said, right? Kaysen Wallace is a rookie. Jet Holmgren is a rookie. Like, you've never seen these dudes in the playoffs when the game is different and slowed down and the lights are brighter, and they could just be worse or not prepared for it. I'm not going to say that again (laughs) because all the rookies are always great, but that is the argument against it, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, but also they could fix that. Like if, you know, if you get closer to the trade deadline, right? And they're like, you know what? If we make one move, we're going to be a contender. They can probably go get anyone who's available. They'd be able to outbid almost any other team out there, right? Like if they wanted Damian Lillard this offseason, they could have gotten him, right? If someone's available, they have the assets in terms of draft picks and intriguing young players, right? That maybe you just get guys that you feel are going to solidify things. Or if there's a big injury in the Western Conference, right? Maybe they decide to kind of push some of those chips in and go for it. But yeah, okay, see, I think we both agree here. Real or fake, let us know in the comments down below. Are they a contender? We both say real. Let us know what you think. Coming up next, Zach Levine returning soon, maybe by the end of this week for the Chicago Bulls. That a good thing, that a bad thing? We'll talk about it coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on NBA. Right now, though, I'm excited to tell you about FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because as the NFL season winds down, we've got NBA season going on. There's still time to get in on all of the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets. Free money right there. Win or lose. What I love about the app, it's super easy to use, and it lets me find all of the betting options that I want, whether it's player props, over-unders, the live same game parlays games going on you realize Shea Gilgis Alexander is going off take the over on points live in the moment with the Thunder to win you can do all of that and more in the app again super easy to use and you can find new bets in the explore tab to see what people are wagering on so visit FanDuel.com slash locked on make your first bet a layup FanDuel official partner of the NFL the official sports book of locked on and thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything going on around the association. Rotating cast of hosts today. I'm Jake Madison, host of Locked On Pelicans. We got Tony East, or Tony Easy as we're calling him today, host of Locked On Pacers. Let's switch to the Chicago Bulls and let's talk a little bit trades. Uh, trade talk over the next two segments here, but the Chicago Bulls getting Zach Levine back as early as potentially Friday. They just assigned him to the G League for a rehab assignment. This means he's coming back. Tony, they've been 10 and 6 without him. They did just get beat pretty badly by the Philadelphia 76ers, but they've looked markedly better, I think, more competitive. Is getting Zach Levine back good or bad for the Chicago Bulls here? All right. Basketball only on the court. I don't know what the argument is that it's good for the Bulls right now. You nailed the high level, 10 and 6, and they've had some comeback wins along the way, and like who knows mm-hmm. how sustainable that is. But their young guys look better. Patrick Williams looks better. 
Kobe White looks insanely good, right? Just to pull it up. In the 15 games Zach Levine has been out since November 20th, Kobe White's averaging 22.7 points, 6.2 rebounds, 5.8 assists per game on 46-40-82 splits. He looks awesome. I watched him look great against the Pacers in Chicago like last week, right? He's been phenomenal. He had an insane stretch right after Levine got hurt. If you look at the games Levine has played in, the Bulls net rating with him on the floor, Jake, is minus 8.2. That's very bad. Without him on the floor, not great. In those games, it's minus 1.5. That's not good, but that's fine. That's like a, close to a 500 team. And if you include the games he hasn't played, their net rating without him on the floor is plus 1.3. No, numerically, I know he's a good player, but like, there's no basketball argument. The Bulls have been better with him playing this year. So that in that way, I say no. But if he plays well and his trade value goes up, then they'll be very happy. <laughs> that is the only flip side. That's what it's about, right? Like that's what this is about. I'm glad you you just took me on a journey there. I'm glad you did to like get to the point that I was hoping we <laughs> were gonna, we gonna make it, right? Like, no, that was good. You're like basketball stuff, and I'm like, no one cares about the basketball fit with him on the court right now, right? Like they're clearly better without him. You laid out all of the numbers, right? Like for a team that has kind of just been stuck for the past couple of years, it feels like when you have some of these young guys playing much better, like that's a good way to break through, especially if you can get some stuff for Zach Levine. This is all about his trade value, right? Like he's an, he, he, he's an inefficient player, right? Like this is a guy who is a, a bad shot maker, right? Which means he's going to be taking rough shots and shots that frustrate you over the course of the game. And while that's useful because he can score in volume, is that the type of guy that's going to lead you to play a success? Or is that the type of player that like a contending team truly needs right it's kind of like the Carmelo Anthony argument with everything right like there's a lot to love about Melo but was a team really ever going to win a title with him as kind of the central player being that kind of score but inefficient you know I think when you look at Zach Levine you kind of fit into that and it makes it tough to find you know a, a trade destination for him I think yeah. outside of like the Los Angeles Lakers or something like that which would take kind of like whatever but with limited draft assets or tradable assets, do, you know, and do teams really want to give up a lot for Zach Levine? What you, you put him out there on the court and hope he scores like 50 a game for the next every game until he's traded. Like, but then you're starting the growth of these younger guys. Like none of this is great here. So like something you just said is like, he can score 50, right? Like Zach, easily. Yeah. Like he did this year. They lost, yeah. <laughs> Finally enough. but he did. Right. And so, at his best, like his all-star seasons, his true shooting percentage was awesome. Like this dude is making tough shots within the flow of the Bulls offense, hitting threes, like all this stuff that they were good, right? They were they were a good team. They made the playoffs. Yeah. And then that stuff kind of stopped. Like he stopped being additive to the other four guys around him. And that sucks for the Bulls and hurts his trade value. And now you fear another team, especially with his contract being quite large and a new CBA that's like, Hey, quite large contracts are really not great for a player who might not be worth it. You got to be like, well, is this guy worth it? Can we get him back to that guy? He was two years ago or that 50 point guys more often, or is this what he is? Is this what he is now? Is he actually a deterrent? And I don't think he's a deterrent, but he, this season has not been a glowing endorsement of what he can be. And he's paid like someone who should be <laughs> making his teammates better, or at least being, a very efficient offensive score.
So you you make a really good point about that, right? Like of the numbers of him off and on, and, you know, and like he's just not helping them win in the right kind of way. Because I remember looking at this the other day, you know, their net rating with what well, they have a negative net rating of eight point something. You said with Zach Levine on the court, is that eight right? Is that what yep. it was? Eight, eight and a half. When he's on the court, but they don't have Demar Derozan on the court, they're a plus twelve point one, and it's wow. like it, right though. But like if those two players can't coexist what are you doing here with someone right. paid as much as Zach Levine right like that's the whole argument here is if you, those two are on the court you better have a positive net rating or you better hope because otherwise why are you paying all of this money with this sort of thing and it feels like dumb and untenable what is would the like smile break, would you like me to break that down these are comedy these numbers are hilarious all right okay let's hear it DeRozan on Levine off plus three and a half all right heck yeah okay we'll take it Levine on DeRozan off Plus ten point seven net rating. All right, we're we're the best team in the NBA. Levine off, DeRozan off, minus five, and then both on minus eighteen point three. So, <laughs> like, what? two stars have never sense. needed to be staggered more. These yeah, guys this year. Like, if they're trying to win games and be competitive, like, don't 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 play Zach Levine if you're gonna play play DeMar DeRozan, right? Like, it's really as simple as that. Like, they shouldn't be starting together when those are the numbers there. Over the, you know, and it's some limited games here with everything, right? Small, small-ish sample size. But it's kind of silly that the numbers are, like, so bad that are basically screaming. Like, trade me. Like, what's the point of if you're the Bulls of bringing him back other than to raise his trade value? But, like, even if he goes and has, what, four 50-point games before the trade deadline, like, is his value going to go up that much when he's carrying that kind of contract either? Like, how much more can the value for a player like that actually, like, rehab itself or rise? Not that he's a bad player, per se. And the, Bull, the Bulls are an interesting spot where, like, they just kind of need positive value stuff. Like, everyone's going to be, like, yeah. young players or whatever. Like, I get that. That's what you want eventually. But they, like, just give them some stuff that can play on the court and keep them rolling and give them nice steps. Like they're really scrounging for that eighth, ninth, 10th guy every night. And that's fine. They have some interesting young guys, but stuff that you could flip later, or just like a quality player to like help you bridge to this Kobe white team. That's coming with the young stuff you have. Like that's fine. They're never going to tear it down. That's fine. And they can get that kind of stuff. But I think mm-hmm. everyone would be like, that's all the picks of young guys they got for Zach Levine. Unless he just has like, an insane month where he's like an awesome off ball catch and shoot guy and looks like he could fit anywhere. But does anyone expect that right now? I certainly don't. No, like I wonder how much his value can actually change. I think at this point in time, and it's probably not like significant. Um, Let me ask you this. Where do you think he ends up? If anywhere? I mean, it's weird because if he's not that offensively additive, like the Lakers are the, are actually a natural fit. Right. And they, they have Mm -hmm. the stuff to do it i think that's why i just talked about that but if he can't make them go from 25th on offense to like 15th which is what they need right because their defense is great then, yeah then that's not worth it to them right unless they don't have to give up any like anything of material value and then it's really hard to find fits all of a sudden it's tough like trying to see where he could land is like not easy like the bulls like have him pass the trade deadline. I don't think I'm shocked by that necessarily. No, I would not. Seems be. seems pointless, dumb. No one's going to be happy about that. But like, I, I don't know if the Heat makes sense for him. Like, is that the right answer? Them, any team that thought about Dame or Drew, I would say that they think about it. I don't think they'll do it, but I think they'll think about it. <laughs> 
Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's super weird. Super weird of what they're going to do there, but he's going to be maybe playing for them, maybe making them better, I, probably I would like worse. To throw two at you. Can I throw two at you? Okay. That yeah. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets and <laughs> the Detroit Pistons. So, like, what's the point of that for them? Just, like, you take him on and you get assets for taking his contract on? Yeah, they stink and they have crap. Why not trade their crap for different maybe crap <laughs> that could be better for them or be interesting for them in a way that it's meaningful? I would be happy for Koo just to like cover a fun team here. A couple weeks ago, we had him on Lockdown NBA to like give him a break from talking about the Pistons. So that would be fun, um, I guess. But I don't know. Neither of those teams want to win games, do they? Like, didn't we just decide that Zach is <laughs> not exactly pushing them in that direction? But no, I no, no, no. I get it. I like, get it. But like, probably more so than some of the the trash that they well, have the when their records are what like, they are. If you're like the pro, pro, pro Levine guy on, in an NBA front office who's like, yes, he'd be awesome for us, you're going to go, well, oh my gosh, look at this. His best season ever. He had Lonzo Ball passing him the ball. Like a good point guard could be all he needs. And then you look and you're like, we have LaMelo Ball. This could work. Like uh, that is what the, the like hundredth percentile Zach Levine guy would say, right? I'm not that person. <laughs> that's what that person would say. Fair enough. All right. Now if one of those two teams... <laughs> I, if either of those two teams traded for him, I would be like stunned, right? Like, yeah. I also, yes, too, the Pistons I, have how many wins? He can help them win. <laughs> They're three and thirty. The bar is set real low I'm for him really to go at there. The point where like any trade would kind of surprise me, just given all the context we've given. It's tough. Yeah, those net rating numbers are terrible. All right, let's talk more trades though. Are the Knicks done trading? Can we come up with some mystery names? Because maybe the blueprint on what they're looking for is out there already. That's coming up here next in today's episode as I get everything going here of Locked on NBA. Thanks. Uh, I'm excited to tell you about Game Time because Game Time makes t buying tickets simple. I actually just went to a game in SoFi Stadium and I was really stressed. I was wanting to get good seats. Would I know where I was going to be? Was I getting the best prices when I've never been there before? I bought my tickets through Game Time and it was effortless and gave me complete peace of mind. You get to see the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You also get the all-in price up front. You know you're getting a great deal. You're not seeing hidden fees pop up doubling your ticket price and with the game time guarantee it means you're always going to get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference so take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time download the game time app create an account use code locked on for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account redeem code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n for 20 dollars off download download game time today last minute tickets lowest prices guaranteed. And thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, breaking out everything you want to know about the association. Become an everyday or listen Monday through Friday to the rotating hosts here covering the biggest stories around the league. One of the biggest stories last week was the New York Knicks trading for OG and Anobi, and it sounds like maybe they're not done just yet. Adrian Wojnarowski was on ESPN talking about what they want to do and basically said they're looking to add a player at the trade deadline who's more of a shot creator 
but has maybe a contract that teams are scared of. Woj specifically mentioned the second apron in there. And in the summer, ask about a player who's going to be upset with a lack of playoff success and wants out. So it sounds like there's two avenues the Knicks are looking at for making somewhat of a big splash here. Tony, you did a little bit of research. You got you got all the names, all the names for us here of who fits that, especially that first criteria of player who helps with shot creation and that is going to be too expensive and teams want to duck out of. We don't have to go deep into the second apron with it, but even just for luxury tax purposes. Who you got? Yeah, look, RJ Barrett could handle it for him and Emmanuel <laughs> Quickly could certainly handle it for him. I don't know if either of those guys, and it takes one Knicks game to see Jalen Brunson playing 41 minutes and having 14 assists to go, hey, they could probably use another one of these guys to help them out. So, like, let's can we just start with the already rumored name, right? We don't have to go through the whole yeah. list yet, but, like, no. Dante Murray is on an expensive Hawks team that isn't very good and is a very Tibbsy-esque, like, pesky defender type. He's not as good of a defender as people say, but he's not, like, bad. and. That certainly checks a lot of the boxes to me, right? Makes a lot of sense, right? Like, he, he he's what, like a secondary, tertiary creator, and that's yep. exactly what they're looking for, right? Like, you don't want him playing all your point guard minutes. He's also a good rebounder, too. He definitely fits the Tibbs kind of player, I think, for sure. There's a reason they've been really linked to him. He's also a guy that I think, in theory, you could flip later down the line should it not work out, too. And I think that's something to really keep in mind with them as well. Yes, agreed. Uh, he's got a great contract long term. And I think that's an, like, I don't want to get too like dorky, but like the Knicks, get if they dorky. get another expensive good player, like they're going to have to pay Brunson pretty soon and Ananobi pretty soon. Joyce Randall's pretty expensive. Like that apron's going to be them. <laughs> and that maybe they're fine with it because they have a good roster and like a lot of extra picks, but you have to pay it or figure out a way around it. So, Someone with a either not expensive contract who also fits this billing or someone with a tradable contract to get that megastar, I think would be extra appealing to them if possible. And DeJounte Murray, hey, once again, fits a lot of the criteria that we are fake making up right now. <laughs> <laughs> right right now here in this moment. No, look, he's, he, as you said, start with him, right? He's the one that's been rumored. There seems to be a lot of smoke around that. What I also find interesting about this from Woj is it doesn't sound like they're going to chase after Donovan Mitchell this season and that they're looking for more. It, they believe in their roster, right? They want to augment their roster rather than completely overhaul it, let's say, and add in one of those other guys. Anyone else you got you think fits kind of this bill that they could look at this this season to kind of fill that secondary creator role? Yeah, this one doesn't have as much of the helping the other team save money element, but Malcolm Brogdon, I think, is going to mm -hmm. be one of the best shot creators available this year in general. Like he, the Clippers wanted him before the medical stuff this summer. Like clearly, some teams wanted him before he got moved around in the Drew trade. Like I don't know what the case is now, but the Blazers were in Indy earlier this season, and when I saw them play, they beat the Pacers and they played okay that game. And I was like, mm -hmm. hey, that's a bad loss for the Pacers. But Brogdon played that night, and I was told after the game, the Blazers were like 0-7 without him at that point and like 4-3 and when he played. I don't know what that number is now, but like he is good. Like he has value to even a crappy Blazers team. So I don't know if he's like this massive ceiling raiser, but getting extra shot creation for any of these teams is valuable. And why would the Blazers, who have Anthony Simons and Scoot Henderson, 
and Shaden Sharp and other guards. Why would they want him forever and ever? Like, it's fine to have vets every once in a while. So he seems like of all the guards I typed to you in this very long list, the best and most available, like good would actually help the Knicks player. Do you agree with that? Or is there someone else on there that stands out? No, I, I think he's the right one, right? He's averaging 5.7 assists per game. That's kind of exactly what they're looking for. He can be a scorer when you need him to be. He can be the facilitator when you want him to be. He also, you know, tries on defense, right? Like that's something that I think goes a long way with their head coach and Thibodeau. So, you know, he's available. It doesn't help with the money, but you might have to give up a little bit more for him then. But they have the assets to do that sort of thing. And if they feel, you know, I think one of the two things that this criteria says, right, they've, they're trying to kind of, shop for a star player somewhat on the cheap you know right like they're oh, they're yeah. not going to be like well we're you know we just used a couple of our assets here in this deal for ananobi so maybe we don't have the pieces to swing like a massive star trade that like the thunder could do but if the right guy in the right circumstances comes along that would help i think brogdon fits those circumstances though portland doesn't need him Right? right, they'd be happy to get rid of him and bring in somebody else, even if it's like Fournier's contract or something like that. That just gives them more like financial flexibility going forward. So I, I think that one makes a ton of sense. Uh, if I can equate it to a past Blazers trade that you know very well, like, hey, the Blazers stopped having a use for CJ McCollum, and the Pelicans got him for a perceived very cheap price at the time. Yeah, you know, so, something similar to that makes a lot of sense. Just some other names that stand out to me of the million I sent you. Uh, if the Nets need change things up, Spencer Dinwiddie's good-ish uh, and can give them some. I was gonna say there. ish, good-ish. Devontae Graham doesn't even play for the Spurs for some reason. I don't, I, I don't know how much he's helping teams right now, but it, he can give you minutes and is is There's certainly three point shooting there. Yeah, is certainly imminently available. Dallin Wright on the Wizards, similar deal to Brogdon with the Blazers, like a quality guard who's on a crappy team that has less use for him. And I have a feeling someone is going to try to say, hey, we can fix Davion Mitchell. Maybe it'll be the Knicks. Maybe it won't be. But he's not playing that much for the Kings, so uh, that could be an interesting one. Also, Tibbs kind of guy, in my opinion, probably would love a dude like that. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely a Tibbs kind of guy, yes. Certainly. So what about the player who is going to ask out after their team has playoff disappointment here? There's like one that jumps out at me. I mean, is it? are you going to say Joel Embiid? Is that the name you're going to say? To no. Me? that's So like, I don't think that's... Good. Also, like, would they actually trade him to the Knicks? That's whatever. Like, on principle, would they like (laughs) not do that? I wonder. Uh, What about Carl Anthony Towns? Ooh, he's a CAA guy. Here's yes, and it is the CAA Knicks. Um, that the problem with that is why I mentioned the thing I said earlier about the contracts. Like, if they pay if they pay Ananobi and Brunson and have Cat on their team, it's like. That's an expensive basketball team. That yeah, you but look, have. if they can do that, that you know what that gives you a two-year window to win a title with that yeah. roster, essentially before like be the second good. apron absolutely destroys you. Like that's a good team. They'd be really good. Um, can I throw a team at you? Yeah, Jake. What are the Clippers going to do if they have a bad playoffs? I'll, I'll tell you. I'm I'm fully think they're going to run that whole team back at whatever. I think they will too. But what if? They are interesting. Well, to me. They are interesting to me. I think I, so. They should blow it up, right? Like, say they they get bounced out and they're disappointing. Like, they need clearly this experiment hasn't worked, right? Even with how well they're playing after the James Harden trade right now. Yep. But they're they're moving into Balmer World after the season, the brand new, super expensive arena, right? Like, you want to put 
four dudes out there that are formal all-stars or like MVP level players, right? Like you just, even if you know you'll never win a title, you'll fill up that arena for a couple of years with those named players there. Honestly, is that is that maybe more important than doing a proper rebuild and doing uh, what you should do? Look, look until Kawhi or Paul George signs an extension, I will be very curious about what the Clippers are going to do. I know you said it, and I know that the Donovan Mitchell is not available thing is something we'll put on threads. I don't have threads, but I saw a screenshot of that. But like, Cavs are an eighth. If they lose in the first round again, like, are they going to be like married to this core that hasn't won a playoff series? I don't know. And Mitchell, so the Knicks has been a thing for forever. Who knows? Yeah, like that's one that not saying the name makes a ton of sense. Wait, yeah. so, okay, hold on. Going back to Embiid, how realistic is that one? How, huh? How realistic if the Sixers don't have playoff success is well, an, an Embiid trade? Yeah, I, I think the thing about Embiid, like everybody was saying, well, he's going to, what if he's unhappy in Philly before the hard and stuff? But like, I think now he'd look around and go, well, we have ways to get better and Maxie's awesome. So maybe he would just, you know, I don't. I don't know that it matters. But they're gonna. They could have like something like forty plus million dollars in cap space. Like yeah, they could go they, and get kind of whoever they want. The funny outcome is they get in an OB free agency. Um, but I, th- I, I think they would have to get like smoked, like four owed for that yeah. thing. Like in the first round too, I would <laughs> yeah, imagine, yeah. right? Like, like not even later to like a good Celtics team or something like right. that, which even then might like kind of completely break them. Who knows? Yeah, it's um, the Knicks are going to be interesting to watch. It, it feels like they want to contend. You know, you have a coach that obviously is going to want to win now and, and do it by playing guys 40, 40 something minutes per game for all of that. So get it, get them the stars that can maybe do it. It'll be interesting to see. They're going to certainly be in every sort of rumor as we get towards the trade deadline and we're getting closer and closer to that. So that's going to be a lot of talk here elsewhere on all of these team shows, right? Locked on Bulls is going to be talking about Zach Levine. You certainly locked on Knicks is already talking about the Ananobi trade and other moves that could get made. Um, so we're going to be covering it all as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On NBA. Nick Angstad, Pat the Designer, tomorrow covering what should be a big night of action on Wednesday night. On Wednesdays, though, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. I'm Tony Easy, host of Lockdown Pacers at Tony R East on Twitter. Pacers Bucks rivalry, maybe they play tonight. Should be fun. Should be a good one. It's gonna be a lot of fun games. Make sure you tune in, and we'll see y'all next week. Peace.